Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hale. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Right now, we're working our way on the Scripture end of things through the book of Galatians, this incredible letter Paul wrote to remind the Galatians of what the gospel actually is and encourage them in their faith. We've made it up to chapter 5, and we've been looking piece by piece at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, this section that is kind of framed by these two statements of our freedom. On the one hand, Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, reminding us not to go back to the law. But he's quick to remind us that that doesn't mean we just live lives of sin. He says in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And kind of between those two bookends of this section where he's reminding us of our freedom, he repeatedly calls the Galatians back to the true gospel, reminding them of what it is and how it is even that they've got thrown off. And that's what we're going to look at today. So let me pray for us and then I'll read Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 through 15. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you once again that the gospel is so clear that, that even the simplest among us can understand it. We thank you, Father, that in your providence you have seen to take care that the gospel is clear and that you have even seen to take care that there's this letter, Galatians, that helps us see what it looks like to start turning away from the pure gospel that serves as a warning and a reminder and so we ask, Father, that you would illumine our hearts and minds by your Spirit, that we might understand your word, that we might believe the gospel, the pure gospel. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. So reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Well, there we have it. We're looking this morning at verses 7 through 12. Again, some of the strongest statements in the book of Galatians against his opponents are found in this section. He begins by reminding the Galatians that you were running well. There, there's a number of things that we could tease out from here. One, we see 
here, as Paul often does, as the Bible often does, presents the Christian life as this race. But it's it's a it's an endurance race. It's not a sprint. You know, that's a a, a sermon that preachers like to preach. But here he's reminding them, you, you were on the right track. You were running well. You were going in the right direction. Imagine if you were uh, in some long race and you took a wrong turn and all of a sudden you were off course and you weren't going to finish the race because you were running not well any longer, but in the wrong direction. That's Paul's point here. They were running well. They were running in the right direction, but something happened. And so as Paul often does, he begins asking questions that he obviously knows the answer to. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And then he he knows the answer. He doesn't provide the answer. That answer's already been provided in different places, but he comments on the answer. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Now, we could take this idea of calling in one of two ways, at least. We could either see it as, these people aren't from me, Paul, who called you to the gospel. And that certainly would be true. But I think there's actually something bolder being said here. I think what Paul is saying here is, these people aren't actually from God. He's the one who ultimately calls us to himself. He, it's the Spirit who, who, who calls us. It's, it's the Father who draws us to himself through his Son, Jesus Christ. I think what Paul is reminding these Galatian readers of is that these people who are adding works to the gospel, these Judaizers, this persuasion that is adding law, that is adding works, they're not actually from God. And that's an important thing to remember, that if anyone comes to us, it doesn't matter how holy or how biblical their language may sound or how biblical their law may be or how moral, none of that matters. If they're adding works to the gospel, they're not from God, plain and simple. They're not from the one who calls us. A little leaven, Paul says, leavens the whole lump. Here he's reminding them they're not from God, and here's the effect. And he dives back into some Old Testament imagery here. They had all of the rules about leaven and and all of these different things. And here Paul reminds them that you don't have to have a lot of leaven to make leavened bread. Just a little bit affects the entire lump of dough. So adding just a little bit of law affects the entire gospel. And so when you add a little bit of leaven to bread, the whole lump of dough is now leavened bread. When you add a little bit of works to the gospel, the whole gospel is now works-based. And therefore, it's not a gospel anymore. So the other point that we need to remember here is just as it doesn't matter how holy or biblical or moral or conservative or or whatever the, the rules that get added to the gospel may sound, If you add any, it it doesn't matter how good they are. If you're adding them to the gospel, you've undone the gospel. That person's not from God. But also, it doesn't matter how few they add. The problem isn't when we add a hundred things to the gospel that you must do. It's just as much of a problem when you add one thing to the gospel that you must do to be justified to be counted righteous before God, to be received by God. You don't have to add a whole host of laws. One law is enough. One bit of leaven is enough to ruin the entire thing. 
I have confidence in the Lord, Paul says, that you will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. See, here's Paul's confidence is not that, oh, they'll get it right. Paul's confidence is that it is God who had called them, and he will keep his people. And so Paul knows ultimately that those who belong to God will be preserved by God, that his spirit will prevail over this persuasion that is not from the one who calls. And so he's confident that ultimately the Galatians will see clearly. They will see the gospel. They will cling to what is true. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty. That, that's an interesting statement. It's a warning to people like me and to, to preachers and Bible teachers. It's a warning to any of us who would proclaim this is what the gospel is. When we lead people astray from the truth of the gospel, we're putting ourselves in danger. Paul says for these Judaizers who are adding works to the gospel, who are getting justification wrong and, and because they're adding things that people must do in order to be saved, that there's a penalty that is ready for them that they will bear because they're leading people astray. This is why we must take incredible care that we don't add things to the gospel. There's an incredible temptation in our day to add politics in particular to the gospel. On both sides of the aisle, mind you, we must take incredible care that we don't do that. Paul continues his argument, but if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Part of the accusations, and by now we've begun to see and catch on to the fact that, that the, the, the Judaizers, those who were opposing Paul, they were throwing whatever accusations they could. Their accusations were wildly inconsistent. On the one hand, they accuse him that you can do whatever you want. On the other hand, they accuse him that he still actually preaches circumcision. They just didn't like Paul is the problem. They couldn't stomach that free of a gospel. They couldn't stomach the grace at the end of the day. And so they would accuse him going and coming. Paul sees that they're accusing him of requiring circumcision now, and he's like, well, if that's the case, then what's the problem? Because that's what they're requiring. And if that's the case, then the offense of the cross, the, the, the thing that, that really is their problem, well, that's gone. Because the, it's, it's not about the cross if I'm preaching circumcision. It's about the law again. And so if that's their accusation, then, then why are they even making it is basically Paul's question. And then he ends with a little personal statement about these people. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, there's a couple of things that Paul could mean here. He, well, there's one thing that he means, but he could have in reference here some of the pagan rituals saying that, that he wishes that they would just be honest, that they're not actually from God, that they're actually coming from a pagan perspective. And so why not just go ahead and dive into full-on emasculation like the pagans do? That could be what he means. The other thing is he, he could mean, well, if they want circumcision, why not I just do it all? Just take care of everything. Just get rid of it all. That could be what he means. And, and, and from a Jewish perspective, that would actually eliminate someone from being able to serve as a priest. It's not totally clear what Paul means here. 
But it is clear, or it's not totally clear what the background is here, but it is clear that that he's saying, look, if you're going to do it, just go all the way. He's kind of mocking them, really. But he's making also very clear that he's utterly unimpressed by these people and doesn't hold a lot of grace for those who would lead people astray from the true gospel of Jesus Christ by adding anything to it. Indeed, we see Jesus respond the same way. When people came thinking they completed the law, he just gave them more law. But when people came knowing they were sinners, it was all grace. That's what we see Paul doing here. Giving law to those who think they get the law, and grace to those who know they don't. Might we understand that we cannot be justified by our works, and so rest in the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen.